Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, hey. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. This is a victory. It is a happy day. The bad man is gone. <laughs> we don't have to be threatened by him anymore. He is gone. We are safe. Oh. Oh, it's just, it's, it's so fantastic. I like that this news comes on a Monday. It just brightens things up for the whole week. It's wonderful. It certainly makes our podcast easier. I'm glad we don't have a habit of recording directly after the game. Yep. I mean, it's this true. is something that we've been clamoring for for... Two and a half years? Yeah, I mean, an absurdly long time. Not, not quite that long, but... I don't know. I think I gave Hugh mostly the benefit of the doubt in year one with Cody Kessler at the helm for a number of those games. And then last year is really when it's the heat started to turn up. The Kaiser days were the dark ones. Oh, but, it, but it's finally happening. So if you haven't heard and you're living in a cave, uh, the Browns fired Hugh Jackson as well as offensive coordinator Todd Haley. And in turn, they decided to promote Greg Williams to head coach of the football team. So he's going to be taking over the whole whole thing while also maintaining his status as defensive coordinator. And Freddie Kitchens was the running back coach. He is now promoted to the offensive coordinator position. So where, where do you think we sit as far as our coaching staff from last week to this week? Uh, addition by subtraction. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think we're like drastically better. You're, I mean, if you're looking at the Chiefs game, I don't think you're gonna see anything. We're gonna get smoked. Yeah, like we like, were gonna get smoked, and we still are gonna get smoked. I don't think you're gonna see any drastic changes. Um, but I hope that our preparation will be a little bit better and more streamlined. If the coaches are not bickering um, within the walls. <laughs> Like that would seem to like lead to a little more unity down the ranks, and that the team would actually look a little more put together than it has been recently. Yeah. So this isn't something that anyone necessarily predicted. Everyone was talking about: Are we going to fire Hugh, promote Todd Haley? Are we going to fire Todd Haley and have Hugh take over play calling? We axed them both, both of them out of here. I mean, our offense has been which is unnaturally bad for the talent that we have. It is it is a refreshing bit of decisiveness, I think, from from the the organization. I mean, in coming off the two and a half years where it seemed like we should probably should have let Hugh Jackson go a long time ago, and now it's like, all right, enough's enough. We're we're moving on. We're not putting up with any crap. I don't know if that's John Dorsey's influence. There's some reports that. Jimmy Haslam wasn't sold on what he was going to do even last night, and then he met with John Dorsey this morning, and maybe that had an influence. So I don't know. I I I like to see decisiveness more than kind of okay. So why are you waffling. saying it's why are you saying it's decisive to can them both? I I have a different perspective on this Be, because it's so. I mean, I will get to this later, but I'm watching the press conference. Like, you can't watch that press conference and not come away with the impression because both um, John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam said it that this was done, and Jimmy Haslam said this, that it was because we're not going to put up with infighting within the organization. And so that leads me to believe that this had to do way more with what was happening behind the scenes 
than the fact that they actually weren't winning. And so there's a decisiveness there where, like, don't get me wrong, I wish that this organization made decisions based on winning, but this is not something we will put up with. Like, this is embarrassing, this is detrimental to the team, this is whatever you want to fill in the blank with, but this is not acceptable, and you're both gone. Like, and, I don't care. And okay, I think this the, is driving, if you I think the driving force behind that is John Dorsey, because he's made the same decision with other players in the past, like Josh Gordon. Obviously, the reason why we decided to trade Josh Gordon is because John Dorsey believes that his actions are detrimental to the team as a whole. Obviously, John Dorsey um, knows that Josh Gordon has a chance to win us more games than not having Josh Gordon. So I feel like if you just take everything at face value, which is really all we can truly do because it's all the information we're given, I can track with you. But when I watched that press conference, the overwhelming bit of information that came back to me was how much affection Jimmy Haslam still has with Hugh Jackson. And so oh, my, yeah. my, my take on this whole situation is is that it has been stewing for a while. Everybody knew something needed to happen. John Dorsey convinced Jim, Jimmy and D that Hugh needed to go. And because it was there was clearly a tension, and it would look like Todd Haley wins if Todd Haley sticks around and Hugh Jackson is the one that gets fired, both are gone. And to me, it's a relationship thing with Hugh Jackson and the Haslam's that Todd Haley gets canned as well as I don't Hugh think Jackson. So. I don't think so. I mean, how I is that? How is that incomprehensible? It's it's not incomprehensible, I, but at the same time, me, but, but at the same time, a, I think that I think that if you if you intern if what we are seeing on the outside actually is what was happening on the inside, and you had Todd Haley who was just not doing what the head coach said. Like you you can't you can't reward that asshole and like let him win. Like you no. you have to let him go. No, Even he's not an asshole, he's our hero. No, but <laughs> but you have to let him go and that's not like as a matter to save face for the head coach, but like you can't have those kind of people around. Todd like, Haley's, like you can't reward everybody's that Everybody's got to be driving in the same direction. Yeah. So, so it's like what are we going to do? People wanted to have him be around and be the interim head coach, which I would I would be fine with in normal circumstances where he he wasn't like this dick, but apparently but, that wasn't the case, and so you you have to make a move. Sure. And it's kind of drastic, but do it. Well, then, we've got a bunch of people who can coach the offense. Well, then just put make Greg Williams the head coach. That's like, what they did. Or yeah, and keep Todd Haley as the offensive coordinator. Within Michael's narrative of what he was saying, I think that I think that really does make a lot of sense. Yeah. That because Jimmy just really likes you. It's clear. He made it clear. Jimmy likes you as much as Hugh likes AJ McCarron. <laughs> giving him hugs on the field and all sorts of nonsense. Which is as um, much as you can like yeah, anybody. <laughs> exactly. As as cheesing as you can possibly be for an individual. I think that's an interesting theory. I think that's really funny to think but about. But I don't I don't think Haley and Greg Williams I don't think one of them could work for the other. I th- I think they're both they're both too like too fiery. aggressive, too big a personality. And that's I think probably a dynamic as, too. I think they can work as coordinators like in parallel. But especially in a situation where there's a power vacuum and yeah, but honestly, like, like in an no, interim that's a good role, point. That would be hilarious. One, the other one would not give a shit 
What the, Can you imagine Greg on? Williams going to tell Todd Haley what to do or vice versa? Oh, yeah. It's actually no. the other way around. It's more funny. No, it'd be a disaster. Todd Haley coming over to tell Greg Williams what to do. How to play defense. Greg Williams yeah. wouldn't have any of it. Zero at no. all. When, uh, I think about, when I think about Todd Haley, I'm going to think favorably of Todd Haley because I'm going to think of him as someone who opposed the supreme dictator in Hugh Jackson. How funny is it? I think it's hilarious. How funny is it that... It's clear, and multiple reports have come out, that Todd Haley was just directly opposing Hugh Jackson. And whenever Hugh said Josh Gordon was going to be sat, Todd Haley said, you know what, I'm just going to play Hugh Jack- or Josh Gordon right at the beginning of the game. I'm just going to put him in there because I, I call the plays, and I'm just going to let everyone know that I don't care what Hugh thinks. It's a nice like, that that is the picture of what was going on. That's, I mean, that's what I want to close my eyes and think about so Todd this, Haley's time being. When Todd Haley was the head coach of the Chiefs, this was kind of his like MO that he rubbed people the wrong way and was a little maybe yeah. a little too into Todd. Brash. And then he went to Pittsburgh and it seemed to work for a long time. And now he's here. And you makes you wonder what was going on in Pittsburgh behind the scenes. Well, because I mean, Mike they, they Tomlin ha- was his leader. Look at that guy. Have you seen his eyes? You <laughs> fall into line if Mike Tomlin looks at you. <laughs> that is what you do. Are you telling me Hugh Jackson doesn't have that same effect on people? No, Hugh Jackson is like a dopey like Teletubby. And Todd Haley's a G.I. Joe. <laughs> or, I mean, Mike Tomlin. I um, mean, some of the players seem to think that Hugh Jackson's quite a bit like Michael Scott. <laughs> Which is also a hilarious report that I just, I love to hear. Because, you know, so, everyone's talking about their boss behind their back. Here's the thing. And I just love that it got to the mainstream media right out in front of everyone's eyes. What the players are calling Hugh in the locker room, everyone now sees it. Here's the thing. I hope he makes sexual comments I'll, all the time. Yeah, I hope he's like <laughs> saying, like, that's what she said. And like, I hope that's why. <laughs> It's actually so. Here's the thing: it's actually a great comparison because if you've watched The Office, you know that the storyline is Michael Scott was a great paper salesman and he got promoted to being the, yep. the the like general, the regional manager of his office, and was just completely incompetent for that role. Which <laughs> is Hugh Jackson. He He's had real so good much success as an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and yep. just cannot do the the whole happen. role where he's managing other people at that point, which <laughs> is so, so funny. funny. All right, so what do you guys think about Greg Williams being the guy that gets the nod as the head coach? What what are your thoughts? I, I don't mean, know what to our, think. We've had our gripes about Greg's, Greg Williams in the past, for sure. I mean, Greg Williams has been a head coach, so you've got that going for you, I guess. But it was 15 years ago that he was a head coach of the Bills. It was 2001 to 2003. I feel a lot better about Greg Williams being her interim than Greg Williams being her permanent coach. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> well, sure. But, but like, okay, so now... <clears throat> that's, that's pretty much the extent of my thoughts on the matter. Okay, think about being a player on the Browns offense, and now Greg Williams is your head coach, right? Like, he was the crazy uncle on the other side of the ball that you could kind of just ignore, you, and now he's the guy that you gotta li- that you listen to. I just... He's not gonna... He's not gonna care. He's not gonna do anything with the offense. I hope he does something with the special teams. He I might could, do something with the special teams. Yeah, I could see Blake taking over the special teams real quick. Yeah, great, I I love it. Yeah, no, I just am interested in. I would love to know how the dynamics change within the walls with Greg Williams as the head coach 
versus you know Hugh as the head coach. I'm interested I think to see practices how the, look a little different, a little more intense. Oof. I'm interested to see how the players react. I think it's going to be favorable. I think we despite, run the ball more. Despite what Joe Thomas says about Hugh Jackson and why he like Joe Thomas is very outspoken about the fact that he thinks Hugh Jackson is a good NFL head coach, which I respect, but I think that we're going to see a shift in the mentality of the Browns. You get Greg Williams' coach team led by Baker Mayfield. That's some fire. If Greg encourages and enhances Baker's fire, we got something going. That's true because like, I don't even feel like I've seen that from Baker in the last few weeks when the Browns have just looked down. Well, he hasn't, he hasn't even had a chance. Um, right. Yeah, but that's fair. Here's, here's the thing about Greg Williams. This is actually really intriguing to me because Greg Williams comes from a defensive perspective and he's coming and running this, this whole team with, and has an offensive staff who's never really done this before. So he's going to have an opportunity to kind of impart his stamp on it to the extent that he wants. Maybe he is like gets more hands-on and says, hey, this is the crap that scares the crud out of me. Like this is the stuff I don't want to I don't want to see on a yeah. on the defensive side. So go try to do this. Like, good gracious, how was that not already happening? Yeah, like like, <laughs> like it like it should. Greg but, Williams is sitting here. He's like, hey, hey, I tell you what, Freddie, I hate screens. I just the screens they really get me. <laughs> so if you can just be running more I, screens, screens and end arounds, I can never figure out how to stop them. I'm blitzing so in the it. screens. Just I don't know what the okay. hell's going on there. <laughs> Do you know how to run a screen? Because <laughs> our team will be looking straight fire. You know, you're probably <laughs> a screen. <laughs> you're probably not that far off. It's probably these really rudimentary conversations. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, um, but okay, so that's no, great. Okay. I, okay, can I make yeah. this is making me th- thinking of screens and the fact that Freddie Kitchens, who was our running backs coach, is now the call in the place. I'm super interested to see what this means for Duke Johnson going forward in the rest of the season. Because you would have to oh, imagine that if anybody knows what the guy can do and has been clamoring or like would like want to see Duke in a more significant role, it's got to be the running backs coach. Mm-hmm. So I and so Freddie Kitchens called the plays for that final preseason game, evidently. We found out after this press conference. Thanks, Jimmy. And Jimmy told us what's up. Yeah, no, but Which, they didn't that, seem to actually know. Like, John Dorsey... John Dorsey didn't know. Jimmy knew. Jimmy jumped right in and, yeah. and said it. So I don't, They asked John Dorsey, and Jimmy was like, it was the Lions game. Interesting. So, but... Which, which is interesting. My question is... Duke, all often, I was going to say is Duke didn't play in that game, yeah. so it's hard to know. Like, even though he called the plays, Duke wasn't in that game. How often does that happen in the preseason... Where you're like, oh man, this was a great game. We're so optimistic, and it's like, oh no, like the wide receivers coach was calling plays for the offense. Yeah, like uh, why, why is why that? why was he even doing it? Like Todd Haley, like hasn't been with the team for very long. It was only the fourth game. Like, was he just on vacation? He was in just he was in Cabo. Just like why out? would you have someone else call the plays? I didn't even know that that was a thing. That NFL teams did. It, I mean, it, was it so, wasn't talked about or reported around that game. Like, I think it only came out yeah. just today. I don't. I'm trying to think how it makes sense. I mean, I mean, maybe, there's a lot of starters that were out. 
But maybe like, oh, they call the second half. Like you maybe give, they give the coaches give a, a break, guy, just like, like Miles yeah. and you know the starting quarterback get a break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, Just, Todd, Todd, don't hurt yourself. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna let you get this week off. You've got sixteen days until the regular season starts. You got sixteen more games to coach. Oh man. Um, so I'm kind of sad I, I, to see Todd go. I'll be honest. I, from an entertainment standpoint. Oh, absolutely. I loved the rebellious spirit. I. Uh, it's just so interesting to fire the head coach and fire the offensive coordinator who's the guy calling our plays. Like, I'm just very, very going to be on the edge of my seat to see how Freddie Kitchens does. Yeah. And I, I agree with you, Michael, that if there's ever a chance for us to get to see more Duke Johnson, it's right here. Yeah. Um, but also, like, Nick Chubb has been fantastic, and he knows how both, both of them are. Yeah, so and it was a heavy dose of Nick Chubb in that game. So since they did mention that, I had a few minutes to spare and did actually rewatch a portion of that Lions game. And it was basically the offensive line was money. So which was Was like it Corbett so, starting at left guard in the Corbett game? starting at left guard, Harrison at left tackle. They left they kept Batonio out in that particular game. <laughs> um But so, teams didn't know the sheet on Harrison yet. Like if no, they, if they knew that they could just bull rush every time, and the Lions' and get... defensive line isn't good, yeah, right. So it's really hard to distinguish like what's going on. Like the Used Lions were good. Bad. Now they got Snacks Harrison. That's true. A little true. better. So I watching that game. I was trying to get some nuggets because I kept seeing some people on Twitter saying that we looked way different in that game than others. I think we relied on the running game a little bit more and had huge chunk plays in the running game. But it was because our offensive line looked great. And in the regular season, that's not been the case and also, at all. Also because we jumped up to a pretty significant lead, didn't we? If yeah, I but it was it on the heels. Like It was because our offensive line was great. So like Baker had all kinds of time to throw. Like He was hardly ever under pressure. Like he got all ki- like He'd get back in his drop and be able to make multiple reads. Like Every time we ran the ball, there was... There was big gaps. I mean, it was, it was unlike the regular season. Has unlike been what in we've seen weeks. thus far. Yeah, but let's talk about that. So our offensive line, we're paying them a fair amount. We came in fairly optimistic with the question mark at left tackle. Then all of a sudden, we had this bright spot. We thought that we were going to get this rookie on the left side was going to play the whole season, um, and he's proving to have significant blind spots. What are we going to do moving forward? Like, how can we fix this problem? Because both of our tackles, they're not what we thought they could be. And they're getting exposed week after week after week. This is tough because both of the tackles have been disappointing. I think Chris Hubbard's been more disappointing than Desmond Harrison. Desmond Harrison's an undrafted free agent. Like, you can only expect so much from, from an undrafted free agent rookie. Um, I think Chris Hubbard is not quite who we expected him to be, but the solution right now is complicated by the fact that J.C. Treader's nursing a high ankle sprain and doesn't look like himself. He isn't jumping in on run blocks or pass blocks. As soon as he engages, he just like crumples, essentially. We were watching this game um, on Sunday, and I was – hoping in the second half that we would just put anybody else in because he's so ineffective 
playing. He was his, just throwing his, his body in the way is basically what he was doing. No, absolutely. And it's it's not helping anybody. I and don't get me wrong, I admire the courage. Like I I admire JC Treader like going out there and throwing himself, but he's not helping the team at this moment. So any solution to our offensive line, I think, starts there. Until JC Treader's back healthy, we need to fix that spot and then it trickles out from there. Um, if he was healthy, I would say throw throw somebody either Corbett or Greg Robinson at left guard and let Harrison sit for a minute, bump Antonio off the left tackle. I think that solidifies that. And I wonder if that doesn't solidify the whole line because now suddenly you can kind of shade your protection um, to the right side. If that doesn't work, you can put Corbett at left guard, put – Batonio at left tackle will put Greg Robinson at right tackle for a week or two and see if that makes a difference. See, I think Hubbard's been bad, but not nearly as bad as we've been on the Correct. left-hand side. So I, I don't think you have to like do a wholesale change where you're putting Greg Robinson at right tackle and moving Batonio out. I think it, it's, if you fix the left-hand side, I think you're going to be okay. I think you keep Hubbard there and you move Batonio out to left tackle give Harrison a little break. And I think the solution, no matter what, I think your point is valid about the center and Treader like clearly not having it right now with the injury. But the solution is play your number 33 overall pick. Put him in at at center or put him in at guard, like wherever it is. And if Treader's in a spot where he can't play, all right, Corbett, you're up. You're playing center. And if not, your best solution is still what I thought it was coming out of preseason, which was Betonio left tackle, Corbett at left guard, and then center is Treader. Like either way, you I don't know why you don't put Corbett in right now. Is there a solution where Greg Robinson plays left tackle for a couple weeks while Harrison gets his gets his bearings? While Harrison just hits the squat rack and <laughs> Just gets better at man, like yeah, taking on three hundred pound men. Does does a couple one on ones with Bob Wiley. Takes some HGH and just gets better, gets stronger. I mean, it's a question. I don't. Oh, maybe I don't love. Maybe I mean he can't be worse than what Harrison's given us right now. The last week or two. I mean, Harrison's the last two weeks. Harrison has been bad. Not not like rookie. Okay, we can deal with it. Some yeah. of those, Harrison's been a detriment to the team. Some of those holding calls. Yes, consistently. He's getting burned, and then he's holding the crap out of everyone that he sees. Tackling people. Like, Tackling. That yeah. One of the yeah. most impressive tackles I've seen the Browns have was this week. Clothesline. The clothesline. Around the neck. You which, that which around how do you miss back. that block? It's in, the, it's in the open field against a... Like, <clears throat> uh, I, don't, I don't know how you miss that block that badly where you have to hold. <laughs> he really, really got him good. I think now is as good a time as any to let you know that our podcast is brought to you by Barbasol. The new Barbasol Shave Club featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor. Choose from three different subscription frequencies, and you can cancel anytime. Start your starter kit today. Use discount code BROWNS, and you'll receive $2 off your initial shave kit order. That's only through the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. Can you use discount code B-R-O-W-N-S Browns? Visit Barbersall.com to start your order today. Get it. Great razors. 
I think I'm going to have to use the Barbasol razor to on sh- my whole face. This to week. shave your head? You finally going? Well, we're doing Batman theme for Halloween. Are you Bruce Wayne? I'm going to be the Joker. Oh. I'm doing the full the full makeup on the face. I just don't feel like I can do that with the facial hair. I think I might be the Joker on Wednesday, too. Yeah. What are where'd you get your clothes from? I'm just making just it work. I have a, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll make shift. I'll make it work. All right. Yeah. I could it. use a green vest. I only have like a gray vest. So the green vest would be nice. But I've got a purple dress shirt and like a tie. Like I, it's gonna work. Yeah. Green vest would be nice. Goodwill, you'll find. You'll find what you need. Um all right, so let's talk about some positives. We've been I mean, a, a huge positive is that Hugh Jackson's gone. We're always trying to focus on the positive here at Center of Our Fathers. Miles Garrett has been fantastic. He now has the Browns record for most sacks through eight games. Eight sacks. Eight sacks through eight games. More than any Brown before him. And we got Miles Garrett for a little while longer, and hopefully a lot while longer. I don't know why we wouldn't re-sign him, but that's I'll take, encouraging. I'll take 16 sacks season. It's pretty solid. No, absolutely. Especially with all the attention he gets. You know, like, it's not like he's ripping those things off because attention's elsewhere. He's getting double teamed left and right. Like, every single offense is trying to prevent him from making a difference. He gets double teamed and and chipped and all sorts of stuff. His sack on Sunday against Big Ben, like, it should have been a strip sack. He, if Big Ben wasn't so dang strong, he went right in there, and he hit the football right on the nose of the football, tried to pop it out, but Big Ben just kept holding on to it. And I love that that's where his focus is, but still made the tackle. I don't know if it was our secondary like playing poorly or the Steelers' game plan, but it really seemed like they schemed that game around getting the ball out more quickly than they did in week one. I mean, that's, that's how yep. we got back in that game and tied the game in week one is because our defensive line forced a bunch of turnovers. Um, and we didn't really have the time to get to him. He was getting the ball out really quick. And the, a few times he did extend the plays, like you've seen Big Ben do over and over on his career, like that early touchdown to Antonio Brown. But, man. Nothing makes me happier than watching Big Ben get sacked. It's just a simple <laughs> pleasure in my life. And pretty Miles, great. Especially after, Miles is providing. Especially after when Miles got drafted, that's like the first soundbite he had. Was saying that he looks forward to to sacking Big Ben, and then he missed that first week last season, where he would have had that opportunity, and so he had to wait. And now it's come to fruition. He's yeah, he had two, three sacks against the Steelers this year. Yeah, three sacks against Big Ben, and in that office theme little video that they created. How much do you think that that was like an inside joke with all the players that they were going to do the office just because it was Hugh Jackson? That was the (laughs) the head of their organization. Miles was funny. shredding Big Ben's. I'm trying to remember from that video. It might have been. That is funny from the video. Was there anyone that like had the Big Ben role or had the, the Michael, Scott, Michael role? Scott role? There had to have been. I'm not sure. I mean, you would have thought there must have been. It anyway. was the at the end of the video. It would be like where he's the world's best boss, and they like move the mug. I don't know. Talking a lot about the office today. Um. All right, so there's still a couple of trouble spots on our team. Obviously, with all the injuries we've experienced, our offensive line isn't looking good. Our wide receiver situation is still in dire straits. Uh, the trade deadline's coming up tomorrow. Um, so we got one last chance if we're – if John Dorsey is actually thinking that we're still going to win some games this year, like he said in his press conference, 
We're going to have to make some moves tomorrow. Um, do you guys want to make a trade for a wide receiver? Do you think that that would be something that would be good for the Browns long-term? Do you think that another wide receiver could get us to a place where we actually have a chance to fight for a wild card spot? No. <laughs> um, That's my short answer. The, the Browns clearly need more talent at wide receiver. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I am not convinced that signing someone midseason is really going to help that much. Even if it's a guy like Golden Tate, who's been talked about today, as being on the trade block, could be had for a fourth-round pick or better, it sounds like. But he's only signed through the rest of the season. Like, are you really going to give up that fourth-round pick just to squeeze the most you can out of the 2018 season? Like, we're 2-5-1. and one. We'd have to run the table to, like, contend. Yeah. I mean, we'd, literally, we like could have, only afford to give to up go, maybe one loss. Yeah. We'd have to go eight and zero or seven and one. Yeah, to to really feel good about our playoff position. So the season's lost. There's no chance that's going to happen with the team we have. Uh-huh. And How sad is that already? I mean, no, it's true. <laughs> it's the reality. And this is later than we've it. had that realization <laughs> in year in the last few years. <laughs> the, uh. the season's done. That's yeah. why you fire Hugh right now. Because you try to set a positive trajectory beyond this season. I mean, you don't want to dig the hole deeper with like the with Hugh Jackson-led team. I mean, you just can't do it. So I just don't think that it really does much for you this year, and you would hate to give up an asset that's going to benefit the future in order to just squeeze out another win maybe this year. Unless for some reason you feel like you can trade for this player and sign them to a longer-term deal. <clears throat> like maybe the player shares an agent with another player that you have a good relationship with and you've had some, some off-the-record conversations or or something else is going on. There's, there's no way that you trade for a Golden Tate who is going to be a free agent at the end of this year and is kind of approaching that twilight of his career where – He's probably in a position where he's chasing rings or picking his spots yep. more than wanting to come to a Cleveland Browns team that's on the rise, but in the very early stages of that. Sure. All right, so there's also Deshaun Jackson said that he was requesting a trade from the Buccaneers. Is that a guy, a wide receiver, he'd be interested in? He still has the ability to take the top off the defense, get – behind some people he's still that fast no not for the browns but he can actually catch the ball why which antonio callaway can get behind the defense but he can't catch the ball first of all why would he want to leave the buccaneers to come to the browns which is a question well if it's it's trade he doesn't have a choice right but why would he like request a trade and then be like oh shit i'm now in cleveland um, well, he doesn't have it. He but, requested a trade. That, that but part's also, already over. Also, now don't, don't we have two of those guys already? Maybe three? I mean, between Callaway and Perriman and Ratley, that's supposed to be what Ratley does, too. Perriman. Is that supposed to be what Ratley does? Yeah. That is, that, that's allegedly his skill set. I've, I've yet to see it. I've never even seen a highlight of him in college catching a ball over the top. Well, because he only caught like 30 passes his entire career. Yep. That's interesting. Um, so, no. 
I'll I'll pass on Deshaun Jackson for this this Browns team. I I don't think it's going to be. It's not exactly the skill set that we need, and I don't think it's... So I'm watching this Monday night game. I tell you who could really help us. Josh Gordon. There's a guy named Josh Gordon who's exactly what this team needs right now. He hasn't actually had that great of a game, but you know who we we can use? We know what what he can do. This guy named Gronkowski. Have have you seen him? (laughs) He looks like a freaking... David Njoku didn't have a single catch on Sunday. My, How is that just, possible? You're pissed because he's on your fantasy team. That's true. That's why I'm like well aware of the fact <laughs> that he didn't down. have a catch. But I mean, for our team to succeed, like the tight end needs to catch a ball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's ridiculous. Okay, so you're talking about trades. I think we're much more likely to sell than to acquire anyone. Who do you think will sell? Well, there's rumors about the Jamie Collins situation. I would I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I mean, you get out from under the contract. And get something for him. It's great. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd I'd send him to New oh. England for a sixth or seventh round pick. And it, and it's not that I don't think he's. I think he's actually been fine for us this season. And I, there's a lot of play, people who are complaining about his his play and his effort and whatnot. I think he's been fine, but he doesn't meet his salary cap number, and so. Get out from him. We've got other linebackers that we like a lot. Curtsy's going to be here for a while. Joe Schobert's awesome. Jannard Avery's great. Like we've got other other kids that we're going to want to give reps in the future. Like we don't need to have reps and cap money tied to Jamie Collins, who's not really doing a whole lot for us. Yep. No, I agree. He's the only player I think that I really think um, makes sense to trade if he's desired by another team yeah all right so if we don't have much of a chance to make the playoffs if any at all how many games do you really want to win the rest of this year like most of the time when it gets to like the point where we've given up in the season i'm cheering for close losses that's what so happens. so we're at that point we're just like right in falling right in line yes and no but i also think that we have the talent to compete and to be good and I care a lot about the psyche of the team. And I do not want to just like completely tank and for Baker Mayfield and the other young players to like feel like we're gunning for the number one pick. I don't, or what, you know, which I don't think is the case. I don't think this roster is lacking in talent in a, in a lot of ways. So I don't necessarily feel that pressure to race to the bottom. And get yeah. that first round pick, you know. I feel I feel like the more games we win the rest of the season, the better for everybody's like development and skill set and whatnot. And we're still going to get a pretty good player. Like even if, I mean, hell, if we if we win every single game the rest of the year, we're going to make the playoffs and well, whatever. But like even if we go five hundred, we're six nine and one. I mean, that's going to still be probably like a a. 9, 10, 11, 12 pick, right? So that's still a pretty good player, and you're still in a position. I don't know that you gain a lot by in, not intentionally losing, but losing for a purpose. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I And every Sunday I want the Browns to win. It would make my life a lot more enjoyable. Um, so we have this head coaching vacancy. 
So the question of the age is... We still haven't talked about the Pittsburgh game. You realize that, right? Well, we'll talk about it eventually. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? It's not important. But we need to talk about who do we want to be the head coach of this team next year. That's what people want to hear about. If we just fired Hugh Jackson, there's a vacancy open, and we're going to start interviewing candidates, I hope, sooner rather than later, and get on people's radar. Who do you want? So I made a short list of You some, can't interview uh, like legitimate candidates though before the season's out. Like No, but then but then You know, can start doing background research and but like they all know, sorts of stuff. They know that there's an opening in like the ones who are decent human beings will let their agent like talk to the Browns because they're interviewing for a job and not interviewing for somebody else's job. All right, so I made a short list of a couple guys that it could be. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. Would Lincoln Riley be a candidate if we hadn't drafted Baker Mayfield? No. Um, All right, here we go. Lincoln Riley. I want to say that I'm going to be scared to death if we hire any college coach. I'm not going to say this just about Lincoln Riley. I just think it's such a different set of role responsibilities. Like, I... Who's Another the, guy on my list, Jim Harbaugh. Who's the last college coach to... I like Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I, I could get behind it. <laughs> I like Jim Harbaugh's an idea. He's not doing well in Michigan. People are disgruntled, to say the least, with his performance. He showed that he can be a great NFL head coach. You know what he scares just wears me out about, his welcome. You know what scares me about Jim Harbaugh? The khakis. <laughs> of course of course the khakis and the milk the too, milk especially too many crew neck uh, sweatshirts in the building with him and john dorsey they were they a match made yeah. in heaven <laughs> <laughs> all right that's it that's it jim harbaugh is our next head coach for sure also i'd like you to note that i just said something that made you both laugh it doesn't happen very often no it doesn't it's it's very rare on the pod uh no, I, 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 it scares me a little bit that like, if we would hire Jim Harbaugh, it would be viewed universally as a good decision, and it might not end up that way. So it, it seems like a trap a little bit, like an enticing decision for the Haslam's to make. Be like, oh, we gave you Jim Harbaugh. And yet it might not actually be the best decision for the team. I, I, that's an intriguing one. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned it. I wasn't even because no Jim one, Harbaugh. no one has said Jim Harbaugh. That's a good name. All right, uh, another one, John D. Filippo. That's a common one. Common um, one. Current OC. It kind of fits the mold of some of the younger coaches that have seen success. That's like the McVay trend. People are trying to stretch yeah. a little bit for. That's the trend. Um, Josh McDaniels. No. No, I know I don't want Josh McDaniels. For for two reasons. First of all, there has yet to be a Belichick protege who has success. But also the way he did the Colts last year, like how does any team want to have that kind of personality around? Yeah, no. I I just don't know how you sell that to your to your team, to your fan base, to anybody else within the organization. Oh yeah, no, this is her guy, but he like totally bailed on the the last team that he committed to. You know the John D. Filippo thing. To go back to that, and Hugh I, Jackson I completely ran him out out I, of town. I completely agree with you on everything you said about Josh McDaniel. So I'm just gonna have our 
or I'm gonna yeah, move stand on. on that. Go for it. John Filippo, the only thing I can think of with him is the Johnny Manziel draft day text situation. Like yeah. that's all I can think of with John That it's like the like lasting impression I have. I like his of optimism him. though. No, and I don't think the offense was terrible, and I think we need someone like him to run our offense. But he regardless was, of who the head coach is. Like he was, so he I was don't, the OC under um under Shanahan, right? Yes. No, Shanahan was no. the OC. He was the quarterback coach. Correct? Um, He's from the Shanahan tree. Yeah. Yes. 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 That is correct. So Patton, Patton was the head coach. We had Shanahan as the OC. Filippo was the quarterback coach. We're going to wreck this league. Johnny Menzo was the quarterback. Right. Yeah. Turns and then, out it didn't happen. Yeah, but then when not. Shanahan left, DeFilippo was our offensive coordinator that next year. All right, here's another one, like DeFilippo. Matt LaFleur. He's so the current, the oh, he's the current LaFleur, OC for the Titans. The thing with Matt LaFleur is, From is he really game. doing anything that great with the Titans right now? Like, I get his pedigree and why he was attractive to come to the Titans as an offensive coordinator. It was Oof. a lateral move to some degree. Except we've, been, we've been way wrong about DeFilippo. Okay, I've, please I've correct us. Fact check us. Before. John DeFilippo was the offensive coordinator in 2015 for the Cleveland Browns. Before that, he was the Raiders quarterback coach. So he was never a quarterback coach. He was not the one who texted Johnny Manziel, we're going to wreck this league. Yeah, he was. No. Johnny Manziel's the one that texted him that. No. Yes. No, because he was our offensive coordinator, and Shanahan was our offensive coordinator the first year of Johnny Manziel. Um, this is embarrassing. No, it's not. I'm going to have to I don't this think out. you're right. I'm, Wikipedia is not wrong. Wikipedia is wrong because it says some very profane things about Hugh Jackson right now. Might have gotten removed by now, but... <laughs> what did it say? It said that Hugh Jackson was only still the head coach of the Cleveland oh, Browns it was... because he was sleeping with D. Haslam. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say that again. <laughs> Wikipedia said for an undisclosed amount of time that the only reason Hugh Jackson was still the head coach of Cleveland Browns was because he was sleeping with D. Haslam. <laughs> Don't know how long that lasted, but hopefully a while. Um, it was... <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm not laughing at that. It was Dowell Logans, or however you say that guy's name. See, that was the quarterbacks coach. So, the, so Flip was the quarter was the offensive coordinator the year before, right under Petten, and then it was Shanahan, and then I don't, I don't even know. All right, Good. listeners, look it up for yourself. We can't be all of your information. We can't be all the news. We we can't find it either. It's so, like, sorry, should, everyone. We should do research yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, well, we never could have known that that was going to come up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um, let's talk about this game. It's not it's not a flashy thing to talk about, but we got that's something we do here on the podcast. What are what are your initial impressions of the game? What went wrong? How'd this happen? Okay, so the biggest thing was what we already touched on is the offensive line was abysmal. Like. We did get a few drives going early in this game where we were able to put some points on the board. 
But I heard the announcers like in the game talking about how it was really biting the Browns that they didn't weren't able to convert, you know, those early drives into touchdowns. They weren't even close to getting touchdowns. I don't even think we got to the red zone in any of those drives because we were squeezing the most we could. We had a few good play calls, got early action to Duke Johnson, and we got down there and kicked some field goals and missed a field goal. But, like, we weren't really knocking on the door to score any touchdowns because every single time Baker was dropping back, he was under heat. Like, it's it's so tough to evaluate an offense when the offensive line is the the breaking point. Well, right? and because, because and, it doesn't give any time for anything else to develop. And when the offense is set up for like long developing routes, like where it's not accounting for the fact that the offensive line sucks balls. Right. Like it's just ridiculous. Like the coaching wasn't accounting for it. It's the most profane thing Michael's ever said didn't, on this podcast. Didn't, didn't Greg Williams in during Hard Knocks or something? I don't know. I I remember this. Greg Williams telling somebody to put their testicles in the C gap. Yes. Like like. Yes. <laughs> it's a good thing because we're about to have some testicles in the C gap. So. Yeah. Greg's got those. That's for sure. There was there's a. Um, so a screenshot of that, and he's like pointing down at his crotch. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're done with and the game. I take it. Somebody was using that um, and made a meme, and I was like, "Who's, who's, <laughs> said something about like who's like the Browns' new head coach?" And it was like, and it was just <laughs> the picture of him pointing down. <laughs> uh, so we're done talking about the game. All right, let's move on. And th- then I, I guess my only other comment about the game is that the defense just completely fell apart in the second half. And I don't know what to attribute that to. If that, I mean, in light of today's events, you could point to the coaching just doesn't have a hold of the team. You could say... Greg was just trying to get his severance package, man. You could say they've been overworked, that they've been playing too many snaps and they're tired. Yes. You Like, there's a few different ways you could go that I don't know what the answer is. But, like, the defense was not there in the second half like it was in the first half. And that was quite disappointing. Yep. So That's, so that's my, about all I've got to say about that football game. I mean, that's there cool. wasn't any one player that played particularly bad besides the offensive line. I think it was actually a positive-ish game for Callaway, which we haven't seen at all. We're, there were some... Signs of life there. We're hurting on the edge with the corners. Our, I mean, we the, need EJ the, Gaines. The fact back. that we're rolling out EJ Gaines at a corner every week. No, or not EJ Gaines. TJ Carey at a like wide corner every week is is hurting us. We need Terrence Mitchell or EJ Gaines back. Yep. Sooner we rather than really that. need them this week against Kansas City. <laughs> Seriously, if we win that Kansas City game. Say we win next week. Tyreek Hill Hill left the Kansas City game with a concussion. There's a chance he... he Bad for my fantasy team, good for the Browns. It's in Cleveland. I mean, that helps a little bit. I mean, we haven't won on the road in 25 games. I was just looking at our lines. I was just looking at our lines. The line has moved. The line has moved a few points since it opened. Must be the Tyreek Hill situation. And the, or the, Hugh the optimism situation. about or no the Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson situation. Guy's a loser. <laughs> he loses games. All right, here's Three. A... No, no, no. We did not like speak this out loud. 
Hugh Jackson's record as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, 3-36-1. That's three so 36-1. I saw something that in order I'm, for I'm, Bill Belichick to have the same coaching record as as Hugh Jackson, like percentage. He, would, percentage, <laughs> he would have to lose like 1,400 <laughs> straight games <laughs> without winning once. That's like coaching for 80 years. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> uh, that's really funny. What's the next what's the next step for Hugh Jackson? Does he I mean, he'll probably get an OC job somewhere, right? Does he go back to Cincy? No, he's going to have to go somewhere familiar like that. Like the offensive coordinator like, in Cincinnati like is going to have to get Lewis fired and Marvin retired. Lewis is yeah. going to have to like hire like, him or something. Go back like to it. Hugh Jackson, right? Yeah. I don't maybe, know. Maybe Baltimore. Like he's he's been to Baltimore before too. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just tough. Like I don't know. Well, he's still getting paid by us next this year. Is, so this is a got, like specific kind of stink that just like hangs around. He's got a yeah. He's, he's never going to be a head coach again. But like you made the comment earlier that the guy is a pretty decent coordinator and position coach, offensive coordinator. Like he probably is. One of these, and maybe this is a blessing that he got fired mid-season, so he can kind of like let the stench out through the rest of the year, and then get hired next year. He doesn't have to sit out a whole season to kind of bide his time necessarily. I mean, he's this will be interesting. He's coached with Mike Zimmer before. What if De Filippo gets a head coaching job and Hugh Jackson takes over the offense there in Minnesota? I'd feel sorry for Kirk Cousins and company. I mean, maybe, but Hugh Jackson's been a good offensive coordinator, so I don't know. I don't even know what to think. He'll, I think he'll coach again for sure. I mean, he's only like he's like early fifties or something, so he's got plenty yeah. of time. I mean, he's made of plenty of money, but he's got plenty of time. Who knows? Who knows what he's gonna do? Speaking of making good money, Todd Haley, eight games, cashing those checks. Are those contracts guaranteed? Like, I have no idea what a. I would like think offensive so. coordinator. That's a good point. I'm not sure. Like employment contract is is that employment at will? <laughs> Probably when not. you coach with Hugh Jackson. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'll leave. So who who knows what he's gonna do? Um, what? Here's another guy. So we we made this change. We fired Hugh Jackson. Um, previously, we decided to side with Hugh Jackson. And instead, fire. We Sasha as Brown. the Browns organization, yes. not us. I yes, yes, that's fair. We sided with Sashi Brown. We, the sin of our father's podcast, liked Sashi Brown. However, Jimmy Haslam liked Hugh Jackson a little bit too much, and so we went away from him and we sticked with Hugh. Um, what is Sashi doing nowadays? Any any intel on that? Hell if I know. No idea. I've no idea. I don't haven't heard a peep. I'd love to put a few feelers out there and figure that one out. That would be that would be nice. Yeah, bring that. That'll be the first sin of our father's exclusive. <laughs> yeah. That would be fantastic. I have an update on the whereabouts of one Sashi Brown. So I Sashi's a lawyer. I I imagine he's he's studying. He's kind of pulling his um 
I don't know. He's he's probably sitting in his sitting in his little like office in his house. Just where keep keeping track. I don't even know where he's from. What part of the country? He was in Jacksonville Good for a long time before he went to Cleveland. But he lived in Cleveland for a number of years. Like probably right when years, Jimmy right? got the team is when he went to Cleveland as the general counsel. So he was there for a while. Man, he had my dream job. Yep. The general counsel of the Cleveland Browns. Jimmy, if you're listening. Yep. I'm, I'm, I take back everything I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, there's some damning evidence. <laughs> yeah, you We're might not have a good chance of, you know, <laughs> locking that one up if the opportunity arises. <laughs> there's, there's too much of a history. I'm going to just delete all of our podcasts <laughs> if I ever have a chance. Hey, that's fine with me. You deserve it. Um, so every single week, we decide to look at the primetime games and have a little competition amongst the brothers because that's, that's what we know. We know competition. Um, and last week, Michael messed up, and we instead played the Bills. We, we bet on the Bills-Patriots game. And um, do you have the lines, Michael? Yep, I got them. Great. Um, so we, we picked the wrong games this week, but it's looking like we were all right and that the Patriots were going to cover the enormous spread. Um, easy, easy pick. Michael, what are the lines for this week? All right, so Thursday night is a battle of the Bay. Um, Oof. For the last year, I guess. Who wants to watch that? Um, it's Oakland at San Francisco. <laughs> and the best part Can is you... San Francisco is the home team and they're favored by three. So it's just like, <laughs> both these teams suck. It's like Vegas like, just said, I don't uh, care. Hands off. Can you come Sanford... up with a worse matchup right now? Like, give me, Mark, give me a worse matchup in the NFL than San Francisco, Oakland right now. The Bills I, and Bills anybody. and Oakland. The Bills, yeah, the Bills and Oakland would be worse. That's what I would say. I mean, yeah. There's a little bit of interest now, with the, San Francisco. The Bills right, here like we go. The Arizona, Bills, the Bills in Arizona. Yes. Might, might be Those worse. are two completely different teams that would be... Arizona won again. Well, they beat the 49ers. Okay, this... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but this well, is barely. Where, okay, but the forty nine help your okay. point. But yes. Okay, but that Arizona team is so bad, and it makes me like. Did you see realize that? how horrible Hugh Jackson is that he like couldn't win football games yeah. these last couple of years? Because they can win. But did you see that Arizona team so bad? And Larry Fitzgerald came out this week and apologized for spiking the football. Apparently, it's the first time he spiked the football after a touchdown his entire career. So and why he, did he have to apologize? He like he just felt like he needed to. Because he, no he is a man of honor. I love that guy. He said he said there was there was something going on. He like all the stuff that's going on in Arizona and his his like thirteen year old son chose to go to the state fair instead of his football game and he was like frustrated and he like spiked the football after his touchdown. State fair. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's Larry Fitzgerald thinks spiking the football is something that is super dishonorable. All right, so let's not. Larry get... Fitzgerald's too good for all this. Larry Fitzgerald hates Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> Nathan Peterman's in the game. That's newsworthy. I mean, why not? You've already lost. Anderson went off hurt. Um, poor, okay, poor Bills. So this game's pretty much done. Um, the Patriots are going to cover, which is nice to know. 
Okay, so let's not give this Oakland-San Francisco game any more than it's worth. Just give me your picks. Oakland-San Francisco. Mark, San Francisco's favored by three. Who you got? Mm, I do. I think it's a wash, so I guess I'm just going to go for San Francisco. Okay. Matthew? I'll take Oakland. Yeah, I'm going with Oakland, I think, too. Um, I kind of like the talent on that team. Um, okay. I'll clarify the- that. A little better than you like the talent on San Francisco. Yeah. Not in general. Just... And I I think that while John Gruden's an idiot as a GM, I think he's a pretty decent coach, and I think they could cobble something together. So hey, look, why? And they've been off a of bye week, and yeah, we'll see. They also don't have Amari Cooper, so maybe this is a really dumb decision. I don't know. Um, why do you think that Gruden's an idiot as a GM? Look at these deals. The, getting a first round pick for Amari Cooper, getting two first rounds for Khalil Mack. Two first rounds for Khalil Mack isn't worth That's it. That's a steal. He's stealing people left and right. I can't believe people are willing to pay for that. I mean, like, granted, like, so you're giving up, like, they're I'm bad not, now. The, the Mack deal was bad. The Cooper deal, maybe. But if they thought the Cooper were, deal, I think, is a good trade from Oakland if they're looking to move on from him. Um, and and I think the value to, you're getting back from Mack is really good. But I think it's a horrible decision to trade Khalil Mack. Like, yeah. I just, like, you still shouldn't have done that deal. The value, yes, is good, but also getting rid of the, the players they have and signing like players that are at or over age thirty, like at skill positions and like relying on it. Like he's just made decision and after decision that's been poor on that side of things. The and, problem is, is that the Raiders are bad. And do you think that they would have won many more games with Khalil Mack on their team? Many more, any more. Eh. Anymore? Yes. Maybe one. But I'm not talking about this season. Khalil Mack is going to be a cornerstone on that team for many years to come, and you completely alienated him because you're a... But John Gruden's playing the long game. He's got 10 years to make this thing happen. Khalil Mack will be... Like, the Khalil Mack will be, like, valuable to the team for almost all of those years. And that's what kills me about this. Like, I don't know what John Gruden's trying to do. You've, you've got these two lottery tickets and these first-round picks that you have for Khalil Mack, but you've got a sure thing for 10 years in Khalil Mack. Yeah, no, that, that was a bad deal. We're moving on. The Sunday night game, which I actually have correct this time, but ironically includes the team we incorrectly picked this last week. So it's Green Bay at New England. New England favored by six and a half. It's an interesting game. Tough. This is an interesting game. Um, I, I'm just going with my gut. I don't have a whole lot of rationale to this, but I'm going to pick Green Bay in this game. I think Green Bay is going to come out, and they're coming off a bye, and then that really tough game out in L.A. against the Rams where they, they showed out. I like this Green Bay team. I don't, Aaron Rodgers is so freaking good, and he doesn't have any wide receivers. He's got Devontae Adams and then nobody else. And he's making these guys with like hyphenated names. How dare good. you treat Equinemius St. Brown in such a way? He's like their fourth receiver. Um, but this guy with like a hyphenated name who I don't even know, like looked good last week. I'm, Valdez Scantling? Yeah, that guy. I don't like this current Patriots team. I, I think they're flawed in a number of ways. I'm going to take the Packers. Mark? I also was inclined to pick the Packers, but... Now I've been incentivized. Yeah, exactly. 
I've been incentivized to go with the Patriots. Um, the Packers played the Rams really well last week. I was impressed. Um, did not expect that. Um, but I'm going with the Patriots because I'm trying to make up ground on Michael. Okay. It's a competition. There it is. Which leads us to the Browns game, which surprisingly is not the, as big of a line as I would have expected. The Kansas City Chiefs are coming to town, and they are favored by eight and a half points on the road in Cleveland. And I'm just going to go ahead and be the first guy to say it. If I mean, maybe the only guy, but probably the first guy to say it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the Chiefs in this game. Is this like the eight, first time you've picked against the Browns this season? Yes. No. I, I would like to go on record and say that I've never picked against the Browns this season. I would like Mark to pick before me. I too am going to take the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how we don't just get completely torched. Like any coach that has like been decent on the other side of the ball calling an offense has completely killed our defense. And Andy Reid is the cream of the crop. Here's here's the thing. You can only have so many possessions. <laughs> like the Chiefs can only score so many points because they'll only get the ball eight times. Yeah, 65 so, is the max. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that means if I pick the Browns, I'm picking us to score 58 points. It's not going to happen. Right? It's just not going to happen. Got a lot of ground to make up, Matthew. But I'm so incentivized to pick the Chiefs here, so I'm going to do it. Or the not, not the, the Chiefs, the Browns. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to pick the Browns. You know what? If I've learned anything from the last couple of years being a Browns fan, it's that in the games that we should have no business being a part of, we tend to stick around. Um, I have no idea what it's going to mean to these players to have lost their head coach and their offensive coordinator if that makes them ticked off and they want to play or if that inspires them because – Finally, they're like free of this dead weight that they've been dragging for a long time. Um, this is kind of a wild card game to me. I don't love the matchup, but at the end of the day, I think our defense is pretty good. And if we get EJ Gaines back, I think we can do do a little something and, and maybe we pull it out. I hope so. Hopefully they respond well to their new head coach. No more Michael Scott. Is uh, Greg Williams... Robert California? Is that is that who we got now? I like to think so. Making people all feel terribly <laughs> awkward. Um, if you guys like this podcast, then you should also like Barbasol because they sponsor our podcast and they keep us giving you all this premium content. Um, enjoy free shipping directly to your home when you join the Barbasol Shave Club. If you don't like how many razors you're getting, you can modify any time. No strings attached. Just go online. That's at Barbasol.com. Use discount code BROWNS, and you will get a discount on that initial shave kit order. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. It is a golden, golden day in the Brown sphere. Hugh Jackson is gone. That is something to be celebrated. I repeat, Hugh Jackson is gone. Never to plague our team ever again. Um, if you like this podcast, be sure to let us know. Give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Um, 
If you want us to talk about something, send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Uh, interact with us on Twitter. That is at Sin of Our Fathers. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.